that stage where I need a poo, but yeah. I'm doing an investment. Because if I wait, I not only will get a greater return, like just a higher yield, yeah. it's going to be easier. Yeah, you don't want to struggle for an unsatisfying. Oh, God, no, not at the moment. No. Not at the moment. Um, I didn't mention how I put my back out last time my chronic pain flared up, did I? Oh, I, I don't know if you did. I think I told you. I don't think I mentioned on the podcast. I mean... Look, I had a bit of a laugh, if I'm honest, and I think I think that look, I think the audience would would appreciate knowing. I'd have laughed too if I wasn't like. No, I, I didn't laugh. I didn't laugh. The pain is not funny, but the cause, no. basically, right? <laughs> Thea was visiting one weekend, and I think mentally, my brain was like, "You're not shitting in in the same apartment as them, <laughs> right? It's not happening yeah. because then they will know you shit, and then that's it. Relationship over." Obviously. Yeah. You've got to keep the illusion up. Exactly. For months after Linda moved in here, she was trying to hide the fact that this activity <laughs> exists at all. Exactly. Keep up the pretense. Keep up the great lie. I'm going to be honest. I've gone completely the opposite route at this point. I, I've, I'm farting in front of partners. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. We all do it. Fuck, Absolutely. Fuck pretending this ain't a thing. I'm sure I'll reach a point. Um, in a previous relationship, one of the first things she did was rip a massive one in front of me as a display <laughs> of comfort. If I'm honest, I think those should be shared. The yeah. fart is one of the purest forms of comedy that exists. Yeah. And if you're just keeping those to yourself, well, that that's <laughs> that's selfish. And relationships should be about sharing. I'm sorry. I'm I'm hoarding the stinky wealth. I'm a bump presenter. <laughs> but anyway, the long basically, I didn't shit for a weekend. The day I was gonna go to the airport with them, I popped out a cheeky one. But it, it it was too big an investment. You know one of them ones where... Welcome to Perquisition, by the way. We're talking about <laughs> shit. Um, no, we, you've not tuned into Boston's Favourite Son or something. We didn't yeah. accidentally put the wrong podcast on yeah. the feed this time. No one has ever yeah. done that. What? Never. Not at Never. once. In my defence... Yep. <laughs> So anyway, it was. I ended up doing one of those poos where you know where you're you're sat there thinking, "Oh my god, what if it doesn't come out this time? <laughs> what if this is the time? Yeah. What if I have to seek a doctor and ask them to like lasso it or something? <laughs> I one day, like it's one of my all time fears, is one day I will it'll like come out halfway and then we'll just not. And then what do you do? Do you like? Like waddle to the kitchen and get a little fork and just sort of break it up? What do you do? Look, as someone who once didn't shit for ten days, I understand that particular fear and concern and struggle. It's real. It's fear. Um yeah. I didn't shit for a week when I went to Tokyo. I don't know why. I think sometimes my body just decides no, this is not a familiar place. International travel shit is complicated. Yeah. To say the least. I mean you're in an in a in an environment with a different uh well environment uh, a different uh, food culture in a lot of cases you're eating unfamiliar things that your digestion your digestive system is just not really necessarily prepared to handle and then you are in this totally unfamiliar shitter yeah 
Yeah. So the the punchline is you threw your back out doing a shit. Yes, I I strode <laughs> confidently into the toilet and came out hunched, unable to stand up full height. And something must have happened. I don't know what happened this past week, but the chronic pain's flared back up again. It happens. I do my best to stave it off with uh, physical activity, and I'm pretty good at rehabbing yeah. it. Uh, I'm at a point now where I've got it under control, uh, more or less. Um, yeah. Got a little pain med seeing me through, but, you know, I can stand up full height again. Don't know what caused it this time, but, yeah. Uh, was able to survive a plane journey. Yeah, I'm not in the US anymore, folks. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of being a bit coy about it on Twitter, but then had just the dirtiest chip shop chips. I was like, I've got to show these greasy bastards off. And then everyone was like, oh, we know where you are now. I mean, look, I'll put it this way. I don't think anyone in the world should be surprised that someone with uh, chronic severe pain flare-ups doesn't want to be in the United States, one of the worst countries in the world to have chronic, painful healthcare issues. Yeah, I mean, it was no secret I was planning to um, come to the UK. You know, Commander Sterling's got UK bookings that are being worked out. Should have news on that soon. Um, I've already recorded my first promo for the company I'm working with to start with. I'm very excited. So, yeah, it was no secret, but we did sort of push it forward a bit. So because, you know, I wasn't going to get health insurance for a month. I keep getting emails, just, just, con- I blocked them last night and it was such a pleasure um, from like Pennsylvania's healthcare marketplace. Oh, the deadline's coming up. You've got to enroll for healthcare. And I'm like, fuck you. It's like, do, do I or can I just bugger off to a country where, despite all of its problems, and there are many, you can just go, my, oh no, a pain has occurred. I need to show up somewhere and get it fixed and they'll just do it. Yeah, it's risk assessment. It's weighing up the the pros and the cons. And, you know, aside from the fact that, you know, I have a relationship here and some interesting career opportunities. I mean, there's 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 some there's some cool things coming up over here. Very cool things. Yeah. Um, and of course, the chance to hang out with Laura a lot more. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll do things together. Who knows? Maybe maybe, maybe we got stuff we got stuff we're thinking about. And maybe Ooh. some maybe next time they actually will be professional. <laughs> yeah, I've got a present for you, Laura. Oh, went out to the town centre today and just it's Ooh. nothing like massive and exciting, but it was a little gift. So oh. something for you. Yay! Yeah, I'm gonna see you soon. Yeah, End of that, the month. that's gonna be soon. Yeah, not not far off. Also, very proud of you for the protest this past weekend, Laura. Yay! Thank you. For anyone who doesn't know, uh, in the pouring rain, I got several hundred people to come shout at the BBC about their poor treatment of trans people, mm-hmm. and. They ain't changed anything yet, but we sure got them to, in response, go very mask off in a way that's very useful for pointing to the uh, TV regulators and going, hey, have a look at what they've been doing. They are very clearly admitting they're breaking their own rules. Good, that's what you want. Nothing's happened immediately, but they sure have shot, shot themselves in the foot trying to respond to our protest, and that's something. I'll take the win where I can get it. I'm glad. I'm... Very proud of you, and I look forward to uh, joining you on the next one. So long as I don't do a poo and put me back out. Yeah, no, no poos on protest days. That's then again, I could still go to the protest because you make it accessible. We do our best to make it accessible, as as long as you know we we'll we'll do our best to make sure even if if you have a bad poo, you can still come <laughs> shout at the government. <laughs> I can't protest. I can't protest the BBC today. I've done a bad poo. <laughs> 
Oh, which is funny because the BBC is a massive shit. Yeah. That put the back out. Yeah, the BBC is responsible for your bad back. Yeah. That's 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 a new official statement. There right. you go. I can buy just coding over the counter. That you can. Just have it and then hurt a bit less. And I got sausage rolls. Hi, hi, Conrad. Thank you for finishing, like doing all the stuff that has to be done after Steph very quickly oh, came. Oh, Conrad, you, you can, <laughs> let, let me tell you, listeners, Conrad <laughs> is such a diamond. I, I almost did a little cry when I left him at the airport. He said, "I love you," and I was like, "Oh, it's true." And I said, "I love you too," and thank you for everything. And I'm. It's a shame that COVID is what it is, and we couldn't have done more while we were in the same place. Well, that's the way it goes. But yeah. uh, you know, I think I will I, see you, you are... again. Oh yes, yeah, yeah, we're not done. Oh, we're gonna make it happen. Like the three of us will be in the same place at some point. Yes. And I had thought the plan would be I'd go over there, but we can. We'll, we'll do. We'll get you over here sometime. We'll make it. We'll sort it. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Laura, I know you wanted to go see Philly, so we'll go see Philly. Yeah, I would we'll like to at some point do it. I'd, I'd, yeah. I'll I'll make time to do it sometime. I'd like to go back intermittently for some enjoy wrestling bookings. So yeah, we'll work something out. There'll be a live podquisition at some point. At some point. At some point. Yeah. F- fun fact: the pandemic really got in the way of uh, conversations about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was that was a conversation that happened just before no one was allowed outside. Yeah, well, we were talking. There was going to be like a podcast festival yeah. in Philly. We were going to like either try and get podquisition, or if we couldn't arrange it, like Boston's favorite son, something. You know, God, I tell you, I tell you what, right? I'm going to be a little yeah. bit controversial on the podcast today, right? <laughs> COVID's a pisser. You know, I. I, I think I think I'm gonna have to go with you on this. It seems to have yeah. caused a bit of disruption. Let me go a little bit, Jim Brewer. Right? Somebody had to say it. COVID, bit of a dick. Yeah. Right. COVID, I've known better. Mm-hmm. Actually, let me do a bit. I'm gonna do a Jim Brewer bit. Hang on. Bah! Bah! I'm COVID. You're sick. Bah! <laughs> By the way, it, go. Go on Jim Brewer's Twitter, and anytime he mentions COVID, like, just, oh, just check there. It's one of those accounts where it's, like, the quote tweets are where you just watch a man get beaten down. I talked about him on the other podcast, but Jim Brewer, who was mostly known as Goat Boy on SNL and the film Half-Baked, his entire comedy act, his entire stand-up routine is going, COVID, listen to the facts! Dr. Fauci, wear a mask! I have an education! He makes fun of people for knowing things. And the white Christian conservatives watching sort of lap it up. There's still a lot of stony silence as they watch this man just make a fool of himself. But a couple of them are like, this is the funniest shit I've ever heard. It's a man screaming and shouting and pulling stupid faces while saying the people we don't like do that. The man who's built a career on acting like a twat is saying other people act like twats. Hi. I'm Stephanie Sterling. Hi, all. This is Podquisition. We we play video games sometimes, and we sometimes talk about video games. We can do that. I I I know sometimes I'm a bit naughty and derail, but today I just enjoyed having a little chat with y'all. 
I mean, so did I. I'm going to be honest. I've had... It's been a bloody long week for me. Yeah. I, I was happy to just have a chat. But there are video games too. And, you know, maybe we mention some of those. Who's played a video game this week, if anyone? Who wants to go? I mean, look, I'm going to be honest. I've only played one thing and it's more Pokemon, so, like... I've played a couple. Conrad, how many games did you play again? Like, one. All right. I'll go first with one, then. Yeah. It's 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 been one of those weeks. Yeah. Usually today would have been my play a bunch of Pogquisition stuff, and I was just like, nah, I'm, I'm shiny hunting. I'll talk about it a bit, but it's... Yeah, I caught a bit of your stream today. I like that Ditto VTuber avatar you've got. It's the first time I'd seen it. If I'm having a bad day, sometimes I just want to be a happy little shiny Ditto on stream that wobbles about, yeah. and and that's that's a good way to be some days. Streaming in general ups my mood at times. Because... Mm-hmm. I think all three of us are very lucky to have very like nice chill streams, and we share the same chat community, and they're a lot of them are just sweethearts. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, but but yeah, I played a game one I just bought on a whim. Typically, before I do like a big travel or something, I just sort of look for a bunch of random games for portable systems, and I've been looking at the the Switch eShop and its sales section a lot. Uh, and one came up called Grim Valor. I mentioned it at the end of Jim Position this past week. I've been really taken by it. It's on mobile as well, and, and there are certain elements to it where you can tell it was adapted for the Switch from mobile. Mostly in the fact that if you hold down the attack button, they will just, like, the character will automatically attack. But it's a side scrolling hack and slash game. It's somewhat reminiscent of a Castlevania, but it's not got, like, yeah, intricate Metroidvania style maps. The various screen, like it's broken up into scrolling screens, and those screens are laid out on a map that looks a bit Metroidvania-ish, but it's not a Metroidvania, um, like at all. Uh, but it's really straightforward. You are a, you know, you can choose a mask or femme character type, and you just go from screen to screen, hacking and slashing, and exploring the environment to find like, you know. Uh, there's a set number of treasures you can find in each room. Mostly currency, but sometimes like a chest with a weapon or something in it. Really straightforward RPG mechanics. You've got four stats that you can level up after you collect enough um, souls, shards off enemies, which can also be used with a merchant to buy trinkets to equip to the character. What I really like about the game is just how fluid it is. They have nailed a sense of movement in this game to a degree that surprises me for the level of game it is. You move so swiftly, and the transition to like holding the, the dodge button for a bit to get a sprint going, and then jumping to a wall to run up the wall, and then holding the attack button to just automatically launch into your combos. Everything is so slick. It is just the flow of movement in that game is so satisfying that I was enjoying just looking for like little platforms hidden up the top of a wall somewhere that had some treasure. Um, just, you know, air diving into the wall and automatically running up it with just the perfect level of speed where it's not too slow, not too fast. Uh, the actual gameplay is really straightforward. Dodge attacks hit enemies, uh, you've got a heavy attack that can sometimes stun them. That's about it. Uh, there are some issues with the game. Um, sometimes there are multiple screens in a map section and you don't 
know whether the next screen exit will be on the same map section or not, which is tough when you're trying to treasure hunt and it's like there's X amount of treasures in an area and you might end up going to a different area rather than the same one, which can be a bit of an annoyance. Uh, the environments are very samey as well. Uh, the enemy types aren't really all that inspired and the uh, environments are almost all just sort of very brown drab dungeons. But the game itself, I really like it. I was glued to it for something so straightforward and something that is, you know, ported mobile game, which I've got a lot of respect for mobile games, but sometimes they, when it comes to action games on mobile, they simplify it so much as to be rudimentary. Whereas this, I can tell it was made for touchscreens, but with a controller, it's it is just oddly satisfying. Yay. And I'm not someone who typically likes holding down a button to do all the attacks, even though it it makes no functional difference whether I'm holding or just pressing the button a lot. I'll be button mashing either way. It won't be very mindful. But there's something about the auto attack that always makes me feel a little disconnected. Yeah. But here it just works. It just adds to that sense of, of just constant swift movement. So, yeah, like, you know... If I recommend it, folks should know what they're getting into. It's a mobile port. It's It was um, one of those mobile games that was actually designed to be bought and played. So there's none of the, It's not yeah. like Grimoire of Souls where it's obvious they stripped out the microtransaction crap and left this husk of a game. It's a solid, complete package. There's a demo on the Switch that's surprisingly extensive. Overall, yeah. Like, so long as you know it's a fairly simple, unassuming game with, you know, not the most impressive visuals in the world. It's, you know, something that would run on your iPhone. Um, I've not tried it with on a phone, but the way it feels with the Switch controls, I imagine it, it's fairly decent. Um, and it's on sale on the eShop right now. Uh, and, yeah, if you like that sort of thing, you're outside scrolly, hack and slashy type of game... This is a really good example, a surprising example of one. I've been really quite fond of it. Yay! Yeah. That's really that's really neat to hear. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah, what about you, Conrad? Uh, I've been getting back into Terraria. Ooh. Which, uh, yeah, I, I haven't played it in a couple years, I think. Yeah. I haven't played it since it first came to the, I want to say the PS Vita. Mhm. Mhm. Yeah, well they they released uh version 1.4 in May of 2020, I guess, and I hadn't seen mm-hmm. any of this content. And oh my god, there's so much content in it. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it's it's very cool. Um I I have always really enjoyed this game's balance of having th- Things that you do that actively progress the game and its mechanics and its sense of discovery. Uh, It gives it enough structure and you can find things out through experimentation, but you can also get just that one bit of nudge from a wiki to go move yourself forward. Yeah. Oh, I've had a nudge from a wiki before. That put my back out once. Hey, yo. Yeah, it, it's just, it's a very, very charming, fun, complicated, deep game with a yeah. ton of shit to do in it. And I love building little bases in it and now connecting all of those bases with minecart lines and making all of the NPCs happy, even though I don't care about 80% of them. Mm-hmm. 
it's it's fun. I'm really enjoying it. it, it I'm glad I came back. I, I was considering trying to get Linda to play it with me in multiplayer. That might be more commitment than, you know. Is it online multiplayer? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you can set up a uh, you can like I, what I was thinking about doing is I have a computer in a closet that's not doing anything that can run it as a server. Can I just ask is that the computer that is still logged into the Dice Funk Roll 20? Oh, am I still logged into the Dice Funk Roll 20? Oh yeah, you're still in there. You're <laughs> still in the Roll 20. Uh just sorry, side note. A, a long time after not being on Dice Funk, Conrad is still in our thing we use to roll dice for um that D&D podcast. Just constantly there as a spectre haunting Aww. us. See, I was going to go with romance it latches forever in your hearts but <laughs> I think Conrad would go Spectre. Probably, yeah. We just had someone new join for, for season 9 and I was like, do I do I explain the Conrad in here or do I just leave them as the mysterious, who's this other person? Who knows? <laughs> that is a but yeah, sorry, re- you have another... <laughs> yeah, so I got this other computer. I was thinking about setting up a server and and sharing the uh, sharing access to it to you know some people because that is there's something fun to leaving it running and then coming back after a couple of days away and discovering that people have shown up and made changes and done things. It's kind of fun, kind of like that. Yeah, that sounds kind of neat. But it also isn't like you know rust. Where it's brutal and awful. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, I'm still toying with with doing that, but um, it's it's a fun game and I like it, and it's one of the few games where I would actually be interested in playing with people. Mm-hmm. Curiously, mm. yeah. It's a game that like I've always felt the same. I've been, I played a little bit of it years ago and was like, this is the kind of game that like if I was playing it with others, I might be into, but by myself, it just wasn't. One clicking? Yeah. I mean, and I'll sit there and play it by myself for hours and hours and hours. That's fine. I don't have a problem with that either. But uh, it is uh, – I I have done it in the past and had, you know, a server running and a few people come in and out. And it's a good time. Uh, you know, it, it can be the, – the, the hardest bit about it, like any online game, is coordinating schedule. Yeah. You know, to actually play it together at the same time. But if – you know, as a game that plays pretty well on its own, if you're the only person hanging out on a server and doing stuff and you don't mind playing the game alone, it's a, a good combination of asynchronous collaboration that can result, which I like. It's neat. Oh. What about you, Laura? You play anything fun? Uh, the only thing I've really been playing is, is more Pokemon. Uh, I've been playing Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl because... Having the protest come up this week in the lead up to it and after it, I was just like, I'm exhausted, I need comfortable and familiar, so I've been doing more shiny hunting. Uh, The other reason I've been doing more shiny hunting is that new, interesting, I'm kind of fascinated to see how this plays out Pokemon game is coming out in like two weeks. Blimey, it's quick, isn't it? Yeah, it's really soon for a game that they have not talked about very much at all publicly, Mm -hmm. which either a good or a bad, it's a sign of some kind, but... Like, yeah, I've I've been doing more shiny hunting. I had a really good day shiny hunting today uh, on stream in that. So I've talked about this before. In Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, the main way of doing shiny hunting is you basically like have a 93% chance of this sort of chain of encountering the same Pokemon over and over and over again if you do certain steps. And you've to get your best shiny odds, you've got to do 40 of these encounters in a row, which... 
you know, about 1 in 20 odds of making it to the end of that chain. Not the worst in the world, but still, you know, somewhat unlikely. Uh, on stream today, I managed to get two of these chains in a row. I managed to get two different shiny species I was looking for in the space of a couple of hours, which is really nice. And the way that this method works is that once you've found your shiny Pokémon, you've still got that 93% chance that maybe the chain will continue and you can keep going. I managed to get um, five of one species of shiny Pokémon and 11 of the other. Blimey! Yeah, I had a real fucking good day today. I've been trying to stream shiny hunting on Twitch for a, for a bit. I've been doing a lot of streams, and anytime I'm on stream, it never works. Yeah, I've, I've watched some of those. I can feel the frustration. Yeah, uh, and today was the exact opposite. Today was the, oh, I got a chain of 40. Oh, look, I'm getting so many shiny Pokémon. And then I came back at the end of the stream and was like, okay, I'm going to do one more like attempt at a chain. It's not going to work. Oh, no, I got to the chain of 40. Oh, it's still going. It's still going. It's still going. Today reminded me why I really like shiny hunting. Because it's th this is the payoff. It's like, you're putting in the work, you're putting in the time, you're being like, ah, oh, it's not going anywhere, it's not going there. And then you have a day where the, the random number generator just works in your favor. Mm. And it's like, oh, I have, I have like three rows of my little inbox that's all full of shiny Pokemon. And oh, yay, I did it. Hooray. It scratches my little randomized payout button in my head from ADHD. I've had my randomized payout button scratched before. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm I having... hate myself. So carry on. <laughs> I, I, I had a lot of fun and I, you know, I'm doing that thing where I know a new Pokemon game is coming out and therefore I've gotten really into the previous one again just to just to be like, I, I know I'm going to move on to the next thing. I want to... You want to squeeze what you can out of that one before, yeah. But yeah, I, I, I will say, there, uh, there was a Japanese trailer for that new Pokemon game that got got released uh, earlier this week and I was watching through. Everything I've seen about it makes it look really interesting. This is Arceus, right? Yeah, Le Pokemon Legends Arceus. It 100% seems like they're just making Pokemon Monster Hunter. Yeah, although, like, are the battles still turn-based? So there's a, there's a mix of both. Mm -hmm. From what I can tell, and this is from publicly available trailers, I'm, I have not played it, so do not hold me to this, you're going out on hunts the way you would in Monster Hunter, where there will be the main target you're going for, but also other things along the way. Yeah. And there are some action elements involved for sure, in that some Pokemon will try and attack you, the physical trainer playing the game, and you will be having to do your sort of dodge timings the way you would in a Monster Hunter, throwing things as the trainer to try and sort of calm down this Pokemon a bit so that you, it's, you can get it into a state where you can do a turn-based battle with it. So it seems like you're going to be doing like, okay, here's my dodge, get the attack and do the dodge, get the attack in, all your sort of Monster Hunter stuff, and then go into a turn-based battle, which, like, I'm very curious about that mix of things, but there is, like, collecting materials as you explore these large but contained environments to do crafting, to get better gear, to go on higher level hunts that you go on by ranking up, by doing lots of the current level of hunts. It... It seems very Pokemon Monster Hunter, and I don't know if that's going to work, but I'm I'm really interested in the concept. Mm -hmm. So I'm I I'm very eager to start playing that, and that's the fact I'm excited about that has got me back into Pokemon mode for a bit. So awesome! Yeah. Uh, what about you, Steph? You played anything else? Many many years ago, 
Um, well, when it first came to the Switch, when that version came um, out, uh, I played a horror game called Uncanny Valley. Mm. And I remember I, I dropped off playing it and just out of sheer boredom, I re-downloaded it and immediately remembered why it didn't hold my attention for very long. But I pushed forward this time. Uh, and I know it's a fairly well-regarded horror game, but God, it can just fuck off. It can just fuck off. It's like a side-scrolly thing, and you are a uh, security guard at a lab, like, well, some sort of corporate building where it's shot down mysteriously, and it's abandoned now, but you're paid to watch it. And the general play structure is you wake up, put on your clothes, walk to the building, sit in the building for a, um, a set amount of time, and then go back. Oh, I remember this. Yeah. Sorry, it's just clicked in my head. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's so boring. And there's a sprint button, but it doesn't even last a whole screen. Like just don't fucking put it in. Just make make them I've said this before and I'll say it again, right? Even with the weight loss, I'm not a fit girl. I should be able to outrun video game characters. I can outrun so many of them. I can go longer without being out of breath. Especially in a game where you're running from monsters, presumably, because the amount of action I got into before I got to the end was... God, I never felt... Well, no, many times I've felt so shortchanged, but this is one of the more recent times I felt shortchanged. Because it was just the same thing, over and over. You don't get enough time at night to do much. Mm. It's just enough time to where you're bored if you don't do anything, but don't have enough time to finish what you were doing if you start anything. Um, mostly I wanted the building looking at computer monitors and really fucking struggling to read the awful text font. I actually posted an example of this on Twitter, um, which sparked a little bit of an accessibility discussion because it's just bad. They tried to make all the text, even dialogue text, look all retro and computery. And they, it's so, I want to say style over function, but there's no style to it. It's hideous. Oh, 100% that is an accessibility thing. I have made dedicated videos about that before. You have? Yeah, that, like, stylized fonts, you should really, at the very least, be going with, a, you know, offering a clear-to-read font, if not something like Open Dyslexic or a, you know, a dyslexia-friendly font. But, like, at this point, fonts are so simple a thing, it, it, it's very difficult to justify not yeah. having an alternative to your stylized font. Yeah, and like I'm not dys dyslexic myself. In fact, I'm like one of the best sight readers I know. Uh, give me a block of text, I can just read it out without pause. But I was struggling. Yeah. I was having to reread words because, you know, the ends look like H's and, you know, it's just, it's horrible. To say nothing of the weird mid-sentence breaks, like in dialogue, like a speech bubble will come up and it'll break, like you have to press the button to, you know, get the next bit of text and it does it in the middle of sentences. So I'm stopping and starting in like ways that do not mimic a human speech pattern. Um, so it completely throws me off. The presentation of the text in this game is so fucking bad. Uh, and the thing is, is after this repetitive gaming, I reached one of the endings. I know it's got multiple endings, but like I woke up in a place, was attacked by monsters. There seemed to be no way out. Attacked by monsters. Then a grisly ending happened that admittedly was, was pretty, you know, memorable. Then the credits rolled. This was after less than an hour of play. And I know that there's more to do. 
Um, cause hell, there's an entire, like, system for shooting that I never even played on that first run. Mm. But the moment the credits rolled and I reloaded to see, you know, what the next stage of the experience was and it was just start again, I stopped. I'm not doing, I'm not. Yeah. It was not engaging enough a gameplay loop for me to want to go and see the various routes. So I stopped. That is a very reasonable response. It looks like there could have been potential to that game, but I found it really dull, mechanically frustrating, and visually dreadful in terms of presentation. Mm. Yeah, I, I know it's a fairly well-regarded horror game and there's more depth to it, but you've got to do better than that if you want to hold the attention of a, you know... ADHD riddled envy with no patience whatsoever for bullshit. <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. I played through it once, got to an ending, and I at least feel like I didn't waste my purchase years and years and years ago. I've concluded that business. Yeah. Oh, I had a question about a game that I've just thought to ask you. No worries if the answer's no. Yeah. Uh, you when we talked about uh, the short games collection one on Switch a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. You mentioned you'd heard there was a sixth game in it. Did you find out if that is the case, and if so, Ooh. how it's accessed? I don't know how it's accessed. I completely forgot to look, but I do know it's there. I do know there is a sixth game. Okay. I haven't seen the sixth game either. Either, and I was just like, oh yeah, I probably should at some point check that out and. I'm going to make a note and go looking into that. Yeah. There are guides online to like, yeah. you know, know how to unlock, like show you how to unlock it. But yeah, there is, yeah, there's definitely a sixth game. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. I hope it's Good Time Garden too. <laughs> Even Gooder Timer Regardner. Hell yeah. <laughs> oh, Good Time Gardener, where you get to, <gasps> you actually get to plant the tit trees. <laughs> Uh, Comrade, have you played anything else? Or was that your one thing for this week that you talked about before? No, that's that's pretty much it. I, I I did play a little bit of Isaac Repentance, but I don't really have anything to report there. It's it's Isaac. Uh, well, in that case, Steph, have you played anything else? Uh, I played one more. You look at you've been our most played of the week this week, right? Yeah, you know that that's what uh, long plane journeys do. Yeah. I buy games, try them before I get on the plane. Then when I sit on the plane looking forward to hours of just playing games, I think, I can't be bothered, I'll just listen to podcasts. <laughs> I do that all the time. I really like the idea. Like, I like travel. I don't like everything around travel. I don't like getting to the airport, going through security, all of that shit. But when I'm finally there on a plane with nothing to do or worry about because I'm in the sky and nothing can get me. Yeah. I always love the idea of, I'm just going to settle in. You know, I even had the seat free next to me this time. Result. Ooh. Very comfy ride. For as comfy as one could get with the position I'm in. Actually, it was really comfy this time around. The like the med, I was able to get a few meds while I was in the US and they kicked in nice. It was really nice. I, but I did play a bit this time. Yeah. And I got Red Faction Gorilla on the Switch because it's three bucks. Ooh. Some of the like Volition and THQ stuff at the moment is like because I I played Saint, I picked up uh, Saints Row the other day uh, for three dollars uh, Saints Row four uh, and Red Faction Gorilla. I don't even like Red Faction Gorilla, <laughs> but I'm so desperate for a dopamine hit that three dollars for a game that annoys the piss out of me because it promotes smashing up buildings and then drops the buildings on your head and you die. I'm going to go in for it. It's fine, TM. 
it's I know a lot of people really liked it when it came out and there is something satisfying to the building destruction because like every structure in the game can be knocked over and you've got a big fucking hammer and the hammer can just smash, you know, there's something about seeing a big building smashing its structural support until it collapses. That is very satisfying yeah. until a bit of the roof bonks you on the head and you die. And the physics like for the character are annoying and the physics for the building is very unpredictable. But there is... It's just one of those games that's like, you know, open world with the capitals on the O and the W. It's... I can just run around doing mindless busy work with enough of a satisfying payoff with the building destruction. It's a dated game. Uh, the shooting that's there is fine. You know, the combat and the driving is fine, although the driving physics are a little floaty. Uh, the game fucking irritates me, but for $3 uh, and something brainless to do on a plane ride, I was there for it. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Interestingly, though, I think I'm the only person in existence who preferred Red Faction Armageddon. I think it was called Armageddon. It was the follow-up to Gorilla, and it featured a lot of giant bugs. Mm. Um, and it wasn't as open-world and freeform. It was more, from what I remember, it was more linear and just was less about smashing up buildings with a big hammer and i know a lot of people didn't like it a lot of people thought it was a weak follow-up but i think the added structure to the game just appealed to me more i remember maybe i'll be wrong because it's not on the switch i'm going to keep an eye if it ever comes to the switch um probably won't because no. it was unpopular but at the time i recall and a lot of people being confused by how much i preferred it but i so much preferred armageddon that's just me but yeah, I, I'm constantly on the Great Deals section of the Switch eShop. I'm the same. I have a real, real craving for like, look, if I want to replay a game at some point, I'll do it on, I'll, I want to do it on Switch. Let's see what, what games yeah. I might play someday that are a quid at the moment. And there's enough, yeah, there's enough like random stuff that it makes yeah. me, f makes me remember the days because I'm, I know enough new releases coming out these days that it's not really, plus everything's digital, so I can't do what I used to do in the PS2 years where I would go to like a game station or, you know, just a, a secondhand game shop and root around in the bins. Just rifle through things. Yeah. I, I did that today. I haven't had a chance to play it, but I picked up an interesting looking um, racing game for a couple of quid that had a sort of nice neon art style and seems to be very focused on like an interesting drifting mechanic. Yeah. Uh, called Drive Drift X. I think it was like, I think it was like two quid. And I was like, yeah, sure. It's worth a punt. There's enough stuff in there where I'm like, I will take a punt on this because it's a couple of quid and it looks interesting. And I don't remember the last time there's been a console I felt like that about. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, it's how I've discovered, you know, even a bad game yeah. or, or a, you know, one that I'm not into, like for one one dollar fifty, you know, these prices. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's enough, like, surprisingly priced, more mainstream games at times as well. Yeah. Uh, I know the, the special edition of uh, Shin Megami Tensai 5 is, like, now the price of the regular, like, a regular video game. Uh, I've been tempted by that. Yeah. You've played that one, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah, so I've I've been playing it, and I've had the experience with it that, like, when when it first came out, I talked about it the week that it came out. And I hit the nail on the head about how I was going to play this, which is 
I really, really enjoyed its its mechanics. I very much enjoyed the depth of its sort of team building system. But the big problem I had with it is that, like, unlike the Persona games that Atlas also puts out, this did not have the visual flair or the catchy music or the engaging characters wow, to keep yeah. me caring once the novelty of the combat system uh, wore off. Gotcha. And it's a real shame because there is a really neat set of mechanics in here. And fundamentally, I I do not find the sort of dull, sort of morose, very like designed for your 17-year-old goth son right. energy of SMT nearly as much of a reason to keep playing as I do in the Persona games. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. It's it's one of them games where you don't... It's self-contained story. Yeah, it's its own self-contained story, and I, like, I enjoyed... You know, I enjoyed playing a decent number of hours of it and then just kind of trailed off. Yeah. And that's always how I end up being about SMT games, and I don't regret playing it. I had a good time playing it, it just... I never have it in me to finish an SMT. I've never finished any of those like i've never really played shin megami i've played some persona games but i've never finished a persona game i really want to finish persona 5 and then i want to play strikers because i i'm one of those weird people that's like i couldn't just pick up strikers and play it i want to finish 5 first yeah uh, just so i'm more familiar with everything that's going to happen um i might never happen though yeah, I still want us to eventually see Persona 5 come to Switch or something. That'd be good. Yeah, it's it's a it's a game that benefits from being played handheld. Yeah, but I really need to make myself continue with Persona 5. I was enjoying it. Yeah. It's just one of those things where I drop off it for a little bit, and then I just can't G myself up to, to play it again. Yeah. So the, the thing that has... I have been doing a replay of um, Persona 5 a bit this year, and the thing that's gotten me to do it was I've... I've I've been playing along with um a podcast called Take Your Time, uh, where they're basically treating Persona Five like a book club played in real time with the real world dates in the game. So like that, I've been listening through, and like once once a week, I'll be like, oh yeah, I'll play like half an hour of this this week at some point. I've not really talked about this. I've been doing my like here's my one in game week done, and then I'll listen to a little bit of a podcast and be like, oh yeah, let's listen to some discussion about the thing I just did. Has been kind of a nice way to like get myself into a routine of replaying it. There's a not novel novel way to replay. Okay. Well, just quickly before we move on to news. Yeah. There is another game I forgot. It was it re- released on Switch this past week and as a brawler fan, as a beat 'em up fan, it had my attention because it was like a 3D brawler that looked a bit like uh, the old PS1 game Fighting Force. Yeah. Called Breakneck City. Ooh. Shit awful. Oh. Shit awful. It controls like ass. You can't really line up your attacks very well against the other opponents. It's horrid. Uh. Visually so hideous. Yeah, can't recommend that. I'll just... It's... Yeah. That's a shame. But just if, if anyone else was curious and thought it looked interesting, it's one of them ones where it's like, the screenshots look pretty promising, but the moment the game is running and you control it, you're like, oh, this is immediately unpleasant. Yeah. So yeah, uh, that's that. Not to end on a negative note there. Luckily, the news will perk us up with optimism and good cheer. I mean, uh, there's a mix of it this week. We're going to start with Activision Blizzard King again, because of course we are. But there is at at least like a somewhat positive place to start-ish. Lego halts Overwatch 2 set while it re-evaluates partnership with Activision Blizzard. Ha! 
more of an actual stance, it seems, than any company in the video game industry. Yep. And that's Lego. Yeah. So, says a lot. So the short version is, um, there was supposed to be some Lego set of, um, uh, uh, the Titan set from Overwatch 2. It was meant to be releasing, like, real soon, like, early February. And Lego have gone, hey, I'll read the statement, I'll read the statement. We are currently reviewing our partnership with Activision Blizzard, given concerns about the progress being made to address continuing allegations regarding workplace culture, especially the treatment of female colleagues, and creating a diverse and inclusive environment. While we complete the review, we will pause the release of this Lego set, which was due to go on sale. They're going, hey, these are the actual allegations, we are concerned they're not doing enough about them, and therefore, here is what we are doing until we see some kind of change. That, in theory, is a good approach. So it's a situation where it's unquestionably a good thing that it's happening. Yes. For a lot of reasons, I think. Um, yeah. It is also a situation where the cynic in me can't help but look at the economic impact on Lego and Activision Blizzard, and think to myself, all right, well, who the fuck cares? Yeah, I feel like this is a drop in the bucket that saves Lego some bad PR, potentially. Well, and I, I do respect that they are, in doing so, calling out that they're, you know, acknowledging yeah. that there is a real problem. I do have respect for that. Yeah. Because that's something that they didn't necessarily have to do or take so strong a stance on. Yeah, and they're, they're doing so in such a way where if they do eventually release this Lego set, it does open them up to people going, okay, so do you think what they've done here is enough? Sure. It's interesting to... Hmm. How big do you think that response actually would have been, I guess? Yeah. Because like, I think that this makes far more noise than if they just released it. And yes, yeah, some people absolutely would have brought this up. But yeah, I, I don't know. It seems like it would be disproportionate. Yeah, because here's, here's the other thing I'll point out. This is not the only LEGO Overwatch set that exists. And there are lots of LEGO Overwatch sets that still exist and are already on sale. And Lego has made no announcement of... Having them removed from shelves or things like that, yeah, sure. Yeah, or anything like that. So, like, don't get it twisted. Lego are still going to make money off of selling Overwatch Lego sets. Yeah, it, it's a weird one to work out. Like, I don't know what Lego exactly is trying to get out of this. I actually do wonder if they are going to make any money off of those Overwatch sets, because a, a move like this... The people who are conscious and aware and care about this issue were not going to buy the Overwatch sets that are on shelves already. Yeah. This action by Lego now alienates the people who would have gone out or, you know, maybe even encouraged others to go out because... Lego was staying the course or whatever. Now you have made enemies of them. I don't think anybody's buying Overwatch sets. But still... All the same. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's very fair. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's, they might as well just have pulled them if this was going to be the case. Activision's abusive and shit. They are. There they are. 
I, I I will say we'll get to a story a little bit later today. This is at least more than certain other companies are doing, and I will Yeah. I will praise doing better than could be. Sure. At least, you know, acknowledging that there's a problem yep. is such a bare minimum thing to do, but unfortunately we're in an industry where the bare minimum is better than what everyone else is doing. Yeah. Because it's an industry of enablers and cowards, for the most part. It, it is. It simply is. You know, all three of the major platform holders can internally share their emails about how they're concerned with the Activision allegations while still promoting and offering sales on that company's games front and centre on their online shops. Yeah. Yeah. Dismal. Yeah. Um. So... I wanted to give some updates from people working at uh, Activision Blizzard King um, and to do with um, a better ABK, just because I feel like it's important to talk about their side because they are still striking. And I feel like it's important to remind people that is still happening. So a few updates as shared from the perspective of people in QA. This first tweet I'm going to read is from Kate Anderson, who uh, is a Raven Software QA staff member. Uh, just a reminder that ABK Strikers woke up to a press interview where the company said they were working with Raven QA to move forward. Friends, this was the first time Strikers had even gotten a response from the company, and they didn't even bother to do it directly. So there's your first bit of shittiness that, that you know, at, despite what ABK are saying, from all accounts, they're not actually directly engaging with the Strikers, they're just trying to suggest they're doing so, which is not a good not a good sign. Uh, another set of tweets from that same person. Uh, ABK will tell you that Raven's leadership is working with QA testers on how to move forward. However, Raven QA testers say that leadership refuses to communicate directly about the strike. When the strike first began, there was a 20-minute Zoom call in which non-striking testers could ask questions. However, those questions were never answered. If you take ABK at their word when they say they've been working with Raven QA and other strikers to move forward, I don't know what else to say, besides they are lying. No efforts have been made to fix trust. Leadership's strategy is to make sure they look good and hope that it blows over. It's a pretty... I mean, that's the playbook, usually. Yeah. And it, and, and they... Why wouldn't they think it works? Because it does. So, yeah. Yeah. And the last thread I wanted to read again from this same person, because, again, I think it's important for people who listen to this to know what people working... You know, people who are striking there at the moment are saying. I thought this was a good thread for explaining, like, why the strike is still happening and trying to counter some of ABK's messaging. Many ABK and Raven QA staff are still on strike. The strike is a protest against the layoffs of Raven folks, but it is also part of a larger conversation we need to have about the exploitation of temporary workers. I see a lot of people who are confused as to why we're striking, because after all, layoffs of temp workers is just business as usual. So, in an attempt to clear up any confusion... Here is a list of exploitative practices of temp workers that we are protesting. 1. Unnecessary layoffs during profitable quarters. The company has a history of laying off workers when it's doing well financially. Remember last year when the company laid off around 190 people, despite record profits? I do remember that. Yeah! Bobby Kotick got a raise of $200 million! We'll get onto the rest of the points in a second. This is a thing capitalism does. It... It doesn't lay off people because it can't afford them. It lays them off to have 
slightly higher profit on a turnover for shareholders. Yeah. Well, this speaks to the, you know, the the wider societal political problems we have where it's, oh, we can't give everyone universal health care. Where would the money come from? Money doesn't grow on trees. Oh, what's that military you want to waste more money designing invisible jets? Here, have all the money in the world. Yeah. Oh, what's that, Jacob Rees-Mogg? You want some money just for being a twat. Here you go. Let's have drinks during lockdown. Not to get political. This plays into point two on their list here, which is yeah. uh, exploitation of temp contracts, because yes, they don't qualify for benefits or health insurance. So they also represent a tremendous amount of savings for the company by simply changing the name of what somebody's doing. Yeah. They are able to take away, despite the fact that they are serving the same role as a full-time employee, working the same hours as a full-time employee. It's fucking bullshit. Yeah, like, that's a whole conversation that needs to be had, is temp workers should not be a thing for jobs that need doing on a permanent, ongoing basis. If you're hiring someone to do a job, and you're going to need people to do that job for years, and they're doing that job well, you shouldn't just be able to go, no, we're hiring you in a way where we don't have to give you any of the things we give people who are employees, and also we can let you go at any time. Like, it, it, is, abu it is an abusive way of treating workers. Yeah, that was point two. Uh, often their contracts will be ended with no warning. Point number three. There is often a divide between temporary QA and full-time devs. Temp QA are often told not to talk to devs at all, which makes the development and QA process infinitely more difficult, as we often end up playing a game of telephone. Yep, they don't want temp staff to feel like they're real staff to the detriment of the ability to make games. Well, the ability to make games is not even a distant second at Activision Blizzard King. It never has been. Not even distant fifth. Yeah. First and foremost has always been to unethically enrich the executive class. Activision in particular is so bad at this, they've been called out by investment firms for it. Do you know how unethically enriching for the executive class you have to be for that to happen? Yeah. Tax-dodging fucks. Pay some taxes! If I have to do it, you should do it! Yeah. Stop making us subsidise Activision Blizzard to the point where even if you don't want to buy every year's shitty little cod squirt, you're still somehow paying for these games. Fuckers. Refund. On nothing! So the last point on here that I, I wanted to bring across was uh, point number four, excessive crunch. Temporary employees often get the brunt of crunch in this industry and are made to work incredibly long hours during this time, anywhere from 12 to 16 hour days, often seven days a week with few days off. These periods of crunch with hardly any breaks are extremely harmful to the mental and physical health of temporary workers, and so many have been burnt out or had mental breakdowns working these hours. It is not sustainable. As Kate points out, all of these things in the video game industry are business as usual. That doesn't mean they're okay. Yes, I have to make this argument. I, I've had to make this argument a fair few times in my years of industry criticism, yeah. where I will point out, you know, here's a fucked up thing this company has done. And they're like, all businesses do that. That's just business. And I've had to point out that, yes, this is normal. And that's not normal. Yeah. Yeah. It's not cool. It is not cool. This mass hiring of people to, I guess, the the opposite of pump and dump, like 
milk and jilt. Like, just bring on these people, drain them of their labour, their effort, their, their often at times mental and physical health, and then just jettison them. While the, you know, execs in charge pocket hundreds of millions of dollars that do not, as people argue, go into making the games better or go into protecting developer jobs. No. 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 The vast majority of profit goes to a handful of people. And you are such a naive tool of the system if you argue otherwise. If increased company profits led to increased safety for workers, temporary contract workers would not be a thing in this industry. Mm -hmm. That money would be used to make them just permanent, comfortable staff that didn't have to work crunch and could make the games in better conditions. But that's not ever how it pans out, because that's not who profits when you throw money at game developers. Yeah. Ah, yeah. So, we've got one last story connected to Activision Blizzard. Let's talk about Microsoft. Let's talk about Xbox. Xbox has changed how we do certain things with Activision following misconduct reports. Uh, But the subheading to the article I'm reading from, this isn't about virtue shaming other companies. Fucking... Fucking shame them. It was yeah, unfortunate choice of words. Mm. Like when, because I my first reaction was like to the headline. Yeah, it that doesn't mean it's much better when the nuance is introduced. And it was an awful choice of wording, awful on Spencer's part. And like we'll we'll get into it. It's still bad. Yes. It's some bad words from from Phil Spencer. Mm. So. Yeah. Yeah, Phil Spencer has been asked how his company's relationship with Activision has actually changed after he previously told Microsoft staff he was evaluating all aspects of Xbox's relationship uh, with Activision. Uh, I'm reading here from Eurogamer, because yeah, a while ago he was like, yeah, we're evaluating, and like nothing came of it. So, as part of a New York Times interview, he got slightly more specific, but still incredibly fucking vague. The work we do, specifically with a partner like Activision, is something that, obviously, I'm not going to talk publicly about. We have changed how we do certain things with them, and we're aware of that. But this isn't about, for us as Xbox, virtue shaming other companies. Xbox's history is not spotless. And Spencer then goes on to discuss some of the shitty things uh, that that Xbox has historically done, such as... um, the GDC party where they had women dancing on podiums with very short skirts, that was a whole thing. Um, seemingly to be like, oh, we we can't throw the first stone, we've done bad things. I mean, look, I will say there is something to be said for acknowledging. Like, I've done this throughout my career. I have never shied away from admitting what an absolute piece of shit I was in my early career in terms of the content I produced. You know, just like, you know, pathetic edgelord shit. But the the, the difference is, like, there is a time to bring that up, and it's probably not when another company has been fucking monstrous. No. So there's a charitable read that I can give to what Spencer is saying here, which is to say we're not interested or or we think it would be a bad idea to try and get good press off of us dragging activision through and you know and i there that's that's right that is the wrong way to 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 approach this 
Yes, he, he phrased it poorly if he was trying to communicate that, but I can see that reading. Yes. But also, I don't blame anyone who read this oh, and God, read it no. the way it came across for many, which is, we're not going to tell off Activision Blizzard or have any serious consequences, because... Well, I mean, we were bad in the past, yeah. so like you know, we got to we got, and we're good now, probably. So like, we gotta give them a chance to be good, so we're not gonna be mean to them. And I, I side eye corporations that openly admit certain things, because I mean, I said this of Activision before all the allegations came out. Like, look at the shit they're doing that's openly shady, mm-hmm. and just wait and see what the stuff like. Wait and see what's happening behind the closed doors. Mm. EA did a similar thing. They didn't actually have the grace to name check any of the shit they did. But I, I remember after these allegations were coming out, like someone at EA was all, well, I'm sure that things like this have happened at, at our company. And that's my less charitable read on this is, well, we're not going to point a finger at Activision because we don't want attention and scrutiny then placed upon us. Yes. Well, and, like, I, I think at least here they have by name called out their own shittiness. But again, this is the stuff that they're willing to talk about that they've done that's shitty. Yeah, yeah. But I will continue on with the quote for a second. Um, Phil Spencer continues by saying, I would rather help other companies than try to get into punishing. I don't think my job is there to punish other companies. When pressured on why he, you know doesn't think that Xbox should do anything more public-facing. And I'm like, I can see that, but also, if there are no financial consequences to what they have done there, you are not contributing to the pressure to change. Because money is the only thing that's going to get them to change, and, you know, at the end of the day, you are still willing to profit off of them as long as they, behind closed doors, secretly, quietly say they're doing going to do better. And that's... uh... Plus, you know... I don't believe any companies that give you nebulous promises about doing better. Ubisoft has given us those. And as we know from the A Better Ubisoft campaign, they've done nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do better. Be better. Demonstrate how you're being better. I do not swallow your line of shit when you simply say, we've made changes. Yeah. What are the changes? How are the changes? What bad actors have you ejected? What protections have you put in place? How are you treating your workers better? What are the changes? What are they? If you've implemented them, it shouldn't be very difficult to tell us what those changes are. Yeah. So we did have one other Microsoft story that I think is interesting. That came up this week. Again, Phil Spencer. Part of the same interview, very different topic. Phil Spencer said that he would like Xbox and other console makers to work together on cross-platform bans and cross-platform user blocking. The short version is, hey, we're in a future where increasingly consoles are able to interact with each other and people are able to play the same game from multiple systems. What is being suggested is, hey, would the other console manufacturers be willing to come to the table on if someone gets a ban in a game on one of our consoles, we are able to communicate and get them banned across all of the consoles for that behaviour. Additionally, things like if you're being harassed by a player in a game that has crossplay, could you block that user in such a way that they can't just hop over to the game on a different platform and harass you from there? There is not much in the way of practical suggestion of how to make that happen 
but that is a suggestion that has been made. It's more practical than that Linkin Park guitarist who was like, oh, you can just share your skin from Valorant in Fortnite if you use NFTs. (sighs) Fucking pie in the sky, Uh, bollocks. Again, no one who fucking vouches for NFTs understands what the fucking NFT is. Yeah. I ratioed the fuck out of him. Yeah. I think I've got the... Like, the most liked comment in response to that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's worth noting the reason why this was brought up uh, was apparently because he was trying to dodge a question about whether Xbox was doing a good enough job about content moderation. It was a little bit of a, uh, what if we all worked together, not, like, you know, fixing their own shit. Why isn't cross-platform standard? Why can't I play Aliens Fireteam with my friends? Exactly. God's sake. Uh couple of little stories to finish up on. Twitch streamers are getting in trouble for literally just streaming full TV shows <laughs> on Twitch and thinking they wouldn't get in trouble for it. Uh, um, I love that that's Twitch streamers. Yeah, multiple. Well, but they're not. They're not gonna they're not gonna get in trouble for it, right? The 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 biggest ones are not gonna get in trouble for it ultimately. Well, they're gonna yes. get a slap on the wrist, they're gonna have a few days where they're not allowed to stream on the platform, and then they're gonna come back and their audience will have grown because of it. This is going to hurt streamers that are, say, maybe on our level who are looking to grow as streamers and desperate. And it's going to lead to more um, more clampdowns for DMCA stuff. And yeah, it's it's because here's the thing. This this is ultimately going to be a flash in the pan, I think. But what it's going to cause, if anything, is Twitch to go, oh, fuck. We need to have more tools for visually identifying DMCA material. And then that's going to lead to like, oh, you can't stream E3 as a co-streamer because uh, we made new tech to recognize it. Like, it's just going to fuck over other people. I'm just saying, I want to stream the complete series of Nip Tuck. I've never seen it. Yeah, so like, to be clear, the problem is like, you you can, you know, you can stream public domain TV shows and movies and whatnot all you like. I've done that once. For Halloween, I did the black and white version of Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah. That was fun. But that can get tricky too. I'm sure it can, yeah. Yeah, like, okay, so I, I was thinking about streaming It's a Wonderful Life at Christmas this year. And that yeah. is, you know, a that's a public domain film. But some years ago, the company that distributes it, uh, acquired the rights to the story and the uh, music. And so you could conceivably show the video from It's a Wonderful Life, but none of the audio, because that's the only way you would stay within boundaries of the public domain usage. Kind of disgusting. Kind of disgusting. Yeah, a little bit, huh? But yeah, so the, the the short version of this is, as Conrad was suggesting, it started with people streaming episodes of Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares or something. Was that in response to Gordon Ramsay saying, uh, what the fuck is Twitch? No, that that was in response to what he was doing. Oh. <laughs> yeah, so he tweeted that because he'd heard people were like pirating his shows on Twitch. I think. And I saw the clip, like, like someone was on a show, said they were a Twitch streamer, and he just said, what the fuck is Twitch? Yeah. And now it's his Twitter bio. It's his new show. I, I w- Linda and I were watching it, and I was like, oh shit, he said Twitch on national television. Great. Yeah. <laughs> that was how it began, and then some big streamers started doing it, and then some big streamers started streaming Avatar The Last Airbender in full. <sighs> <laughs> I don't know why I find this so funny. <laughs> And, and like, they were acting as if, like, nothing was going to happen. <laughs> and the 
And the big streamers who were doing it, you know, eventually when it came to a head, they got like one or two day um, temporary yeah. bans and then came back and just kept doing it. And like Conrad said, small price to pay. They're going to get enough views to make up for it. They're going to get attention from the ban. Yeah, and and that's the thing, is they can afford to do it and know that they'll only get a temporary ban and come back with bigger viewership because of the publicity, whereas smaller creatives can't. And all that ultimately is going to lead to is, oh no, the big ones get to do something that small ones can't. It's the same thing that happens every bloody time. And like it reached to the point where there were big creators giving really fucking snarky comments, not uh, being like... Oh well, the reason why this became a problem is because the uh, you, you need to know the, the what shows are okay to stream and which ones aren't. Don't go for Disney ones, obviously. Don't do this. Don't do that. That's just foolish. Stick to these ah, copyright holding shut. Like fucking. Mm. Oh, the frustration. I know. I'll 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 see how I get on with putting on some Red Dwarf. Yeah. I'm I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. I know. I'm gonna keep showing my legs off on stream though. I get my chat very thirsty with that, and then it gives oh, yeah. me a, a precious dose of self-esteem. Nice. Yeah. I'm just saying they're really fucking good. Yeah. Oh, also, Twitch, take less of a cut, you vampires. Yeah. Yeah. Half. Yeah. Half. Not even YouTube's that shitty. Indeed. Fucking hell, mate. <sighs> so, the last thing this week, and there's not really much else to say about this... You know how we've talked recently about increasing number of video games just, like, leaking in perfectly playable states considerably before? Sometimes in better states. Pokemon. Yeah. Horizon Forbidden West isn't meant to come out for, like, more than a month. It's, like, five weeks away. Yeah. A near-final build of that game has apparently leaked online that is entirely playable start to finish and only missing, like, one or two assets here and there. More, more. Now... To clarify this story, the copy that is out there has not yet made it onto the internet for people to just freely grab, and it is a lot more difficult to pirate PS4 games, but video and images are just showing up online, and it only feels like a matter of time before it's just going to be doing the rounds. Well... Yeah, so that's... That's that's a game that if you don't want to have spoilers for, be aware of that for the next month. (laughs) (laughs) I got some sympathy for the developers, obviously. No sympathy for the companies. No. Good luck, companies. Enjoy having all of your video games available before you charge money for them. I'm sorry, like, we can have talk about piracy and shit all day long. From the creative angle, I'm sad for spoilers and things for the people who created the game. But I cannot bring myself to care about theft from a corporation. Yeah. Like I've said before, especially with companies like Activision that aren't even paying their fair share towards, like, the fucking economy that they exploit constantly, right? Just steal pens if you work there. Just <laughs> just any level of, of theft, grand or petty, from some of these companies. I'm in favour I don't care anymore. I'm in favour. Yeah. Uh, so I think I think that's it for this week. If if, if uh, no one's got anything else they wanna wanna add in. No. Nope. Nah. Oh, GDQ. Oh. 
Anybody been watching any GDQ? I've been watching a bit of GDQ. Oh, I always forget it's on, and then I have to watch all the repeats. Yeah. Yeah. Have you been? You, you seen any good uh, GDQ stuff, comrade? I've seen some pretty good GDQ stuff. Uh, there was a, uh, a Sonic block today, mm. and a, which fucking game was it that they were playing? So there was a a run. It was a co-op run. Oh, Sonic 4 Episode 2, co-op run, broke a world record. And the guy is wearing the most, like, cursed Sonic costume. Oh! It is amazing. I need this. I need it in my life. Amazing. Did the whole run broke a world record in this thing? (laughs) It's remarkable. Uh, so that was pretty fun. I was uh, glad to see them run Gargoyles Quest 2, which is a, a favorite of mine. And uh, there was a blindfolded Metal Gear Solid 2 tanker run. That was pretty cool. Ooh. Um, so yeah, uh, still still going on, I think through the end of the week, and they've already raised over three yeah. quarters of a million. Uh, so good for them. And uh, just, you know, yeah. something happy to think about. Yeah. Something happy, and it has been a good excuse for me to see, hey, what speedruns are uh, fairly, fairly short ones to mm-hmm. to watch that, you know, that you could you could give an attempt in a reasonably short period of time. That's been nice to make notes about. <laughs> Mysteries. Have I got something nice to look forward to, watch the, the GDQ reruns? Yeah. Yay. Yeah, I always forget to watch it on Twitch when it's happening. I I always remember a day or two in. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I got there. Alright, should we should we wrap up for this week? Yeah, I I I think that I'm gonna I'm I'm ready for a low effort high yield poo. All right. All right. Oh, oh have a good one. I tell you what isn't shit though. What? The veritable smorgasbord of content offerings from Laura Kate Dale. Oh, hell yeah. Tell us about them. Oh, I'll tell you about them. Laura Kate Buzz and all the bits of media where you would find stuff. Uh, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, TikTok. Go go check out all the places. Uh, The main thing at the moment is go check out Who Hunts the Whale. It is a book. It's on Unbound. It's a novel. I wrote it with my wife. It's definitely fiction. It talks about... Trying to overthrow systems of power, but also video games a little bit. Maybe, maybe, maybe fictional video game executives shouldn't be in their positions and we should work on that. Uh, so go check out Who Hunts the Whale. Go pre-order a copy. Go do it as support. What about you, comrade? What do you do on the internet? Oh, uh, well, I, I, I post to the Bird app and occasionally the Instagram at Conrad Zimmerman. You could also hang out with me on Twitch a few days a week at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. Uh, I make anti-capitalist propaganda that I sell at pinfultruth.com and audiobooks at conradreads.com. And I do other podcasts like Boston's Favorite Son and, and spinoff Doctors will be back in February. So I promise. Will it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Will it? Yeah. I'm alright with that. Yeah. I'm not rewatching Monster Hunter. I know I keep saying it and I know we're all fine with that. Yeah. But I enjoy emphasizing I'm not rewatching Monster Hunter. Gives me a little bonk on. It's the sort of uh, thing you, we can all take solace in is never having to watch Monster yeah. Hunter again. I might rewatch the bit where Mila Jovovich sings dispassionately. 
I mean, Sings over overstates it. She's like leading a military <laughs> chanty thing, and it's just so dispassionate and dull. Anyway. Uh, on everything I do oh. online, get supported at Patreon, patreon.com slash fistshark. And you know who else has a Patreon? <gasps> oh, I've got a suspicion. It's James Stephanie Sterling. Oh, slam dunk. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. Uh, that supports this content, that content, and the other content. Uh, I also stream at twitch.tv slash Jim Sterling. Uh, I am on a bit of a late stream at the moment. I didn't stream on Monday like I usually do because I was on a plane. Uh, I am settling in uh, to uh, One's New Life, seeing how that works out. Hopefully going to be streaming real soon again. Um, and I will have news on Commander Sterling's whereabouts in wrestling, but yeah, uh, UK fans will be able to see them uh, in the near future, and um, yeah. just, I've made the announcement, but um, because of not just travel, but sort of COVID concerns and some personal um, risk concerns, uh, I have I've cancelled my bookings at Wrestler's Lab and enjoy wrestling, so um, I know I was trying to hold on just specifically for fans that were going to New Jersey and Pittsburgh for that, but I had to make the call for a number of reasons. It reasonably was the only plan that was going to make sense. And from a creative angle, you know, the I Quit match being my last act in the US, at least for a little bit. Yeah, I, I it's fitting creatively. It made sense as a bookend. Yeah. So, yeah, that's that. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for all of your support. Thank you to Laura and Conrad for joining me for a very lovely podcast this week. It was a very pleasant podcast. Yeah. This, is, yeah. this has been a delightful one. Yeah. And we will see you all next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.